You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Before we get into the particulars of this story, in assessing the importance of this story, we need to guard ourselves against two extremes. What are they? Well, first of all, we mustn't condemn the characters entirely without any recognition of their better motives. Remember, God had a plan here, and the plan was to bless Jacob. Jacob through his line, would eventually come the Savior. Whenever we read about the many scandals of the patriarchs in the Old Testament, we often have a wide variety of emotions, to say the least. In some cases, we even go so far as to wonder how in the world it is that God didn't start over with the lineage of Christ. However, as Pastor Mike will discuss in his message today, It's important that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. In his study, you'll learn yet another example of God's grace, patience, and favor to those who are a part of his plan. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis, chapter 27, as he begins his message, Talk About a Dysfunctional Family. This message, the title is, Talk About a Dysfunctional Family. And, you know, I would imagine that many of us were raised in dysfunctional families. You know, if you think about it, the thing that lends itself to a dysfunctional family is sin. It's the sin issue, right? That causes people to be dysfunctional. So uh, please keep that in mind as we go through this portion of Scripture. So Genesis chapter 27, beginning in verse 1. So let's go ahead and read that uh, portion. And then we'll ask God's blessing on the remainder of our time together as we uh, study the word. Now, it came to pass when Isaac was old, and it's been determined by many teachers that at this time Isaac was 137 years old. And there's a reason why I mentioned his age, but I'll come back to that in just a moment. And his eyes were so dim that he could not see. So obviously he's legally blind. That he called Esau, his older son, And said to him, My son, and he answered him, Here I am. And then he said, Behold now, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. And you know, dying question mark. You know, certainly, if this guy's dying, he hasn't lost his appetite, right? 
and, uh, which is sort of interesting. Now, verse 5. Now, Rebecca, that would be Esau's uh, mom, was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. So she's listening behind the bedroom door where Isaac is laying as he believes that he's about to expire, about to uh, die. And so uh, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. And so Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, remember, Jacob was Rebekah's favorite. Esau was Isaac's favorite son. Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make me savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I commanded you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. You know, exactly how hairy was this guy. And, uh, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps he, he probably needed to go to a, uh, a clinician uh, to get waxed or something. I don't know, man. This guy's a hairy man. I don't know exactly how hairy he was. But perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, went into his closet, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And he put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread, which she had prepared, into the hand of her son Jacob. And so he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Remember, he's blind now. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, that is Jacob, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Notice he, he involves God in this whole deception, which I find extremely interesting. You know, talk about a dysfunctional family. Talk about sin. If anything, this text of Scripture serves as a warning for all. It's a cautionary tale, if you will. Anyway, verse 21. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. And so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Remember, now they had wrapped the, the wool of the, of the goats around uh, Jacob's hands and around his neck, and this was all a part of the deception of Isaac, so that Jacob might receive the patriarchal blessing instead of Esau, the older brother. Verse 24, then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. 
So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, and this is a part of the patriarchal blessing, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. And now it happened, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his honey. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father, Isaac, and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of the son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father, Isaac, said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. And then when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Dad, have you not reserved a blessing for me? So once again, this message, talk about a dysfunctional family. Okay, so what we have before us is the pathetic picture of Jacob's deception of Isaac to gain his father's blessing. Now, before we get into the particulars of this story, in assessing the importance of this story, we need to guard ourselves against two extremes. What are they? Well, first of all, we mustn't condemn the characters entirely without any recognition of their better motives. Remember, God had a plan here, and the plan was to bless Jacob. Jacob, through his line, would eventually come the Savior. That was a part of God's plan. And so uh, Rebekah, as well as Jacob, acknowledged and recognized that, so they understood somewhat of the importance of the patriarchal blessing. And and I, I guess I don't even touch on what the patriarchal blessing was all about and the impact it could have on Jacob's life. You see, the patriarchal blessing was not merely a father's wishes for his sons, you know, and you can relate to this if you are a dad, you know, you're hoping and, and wishing and praying for the best for your children, right? To be successful, even more successful and blessed, their lives even more full than was yours in your life's experience. But you see, the patriarchal blessing was much more than that. Uh, the things that were expressed through the patriarchal blessings were things that were unalterable. And they were mediated by God through the faith of the patriarch. We're talking about Isaac, who was one of the patriarchs, the son of Abraham. 
And the blessings that God had promised Abraham was to be passed from one generation to the next. So this was particularly relevant to uh, Abraham and his descendants. These things were actually mediated by God. And and so when the patriarch uh, expressed the blessing upon his son, you know, God was there to back it up and and to fill the things that the patriarch had said in the giving of the patriarchal blessing. So therein lies the importance of, of all of this. So Rebecca and Jacob acknowledged, understood, and recognized that fact. So in assessing the importance of this story, we need to guard ourselves against those two extremes. The first of which is we mustn't condemn the characters entirely without any recognition of their better motives. Because, I mean, God, prior to uh, what is recorded here for us, we are told that the patriarchal blessing and the inheritance was also uh, to be given to Jacob. But notice Isaac is trying to do otherwise, right? in a very secretive way, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, The second extreme that we need to guard ourselves is to excuse them, all of these characters, at the expense of true morality. They should have just waited on the Lord. God had already said what he was going to do, and they should have just rested there on God's spoken word to them and, and let God fulfill his promise and not taking things into their own hands. And so that's one of the valuable lessons that we should learn from this as well. So the truth of this matter is that this cast of characters are very much like ourselves, as I've already suggested, taking things into our own hands, getting things done at all costs. I mean, I've been waiting already. How long do I have to wait for God to fulfill his promises in his word concerning me and my life's experience? I'm waiting, God, I'm waiting. You know, bring that special person into my life for the purpose of marriage. You know, Lord, I've been waiting for the job. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for the home. I've been waiting, you know, for all of these things. And, 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 but Lord, I'm still waiting. And so what do we do? We take things in our own hands at all costs. Uh, you know, even going to sin, running headlong into sin to make sure that things get done the way that we're hoping they would get done. But listen, God's sovereign will, please take note of this. And if you're taking notes, you might want to even write this down. Listen, God's sovereign will always gets done in spite of any of man's efforts or opposition to it. That's the truth. And, and you know, if you think about it, what a blessing that is to know that. You know, where we can just rest. We've given our lives to Christ, right? Part of our conversion experience, being born again of the Spirit of God. We ask Jesus to come and be the Lord and Savior of our lives. You know, uh, to take the the wheel of our lives, if you will, and and drive our life, keeping it on the straight and the the narrow. Uh, We're just actually sitting now in the passenger seat. God is in control. Haven't we given him that place, that special place in our lives? And so he is in control. He's orchestrating all of the details. He's working behind the scenes, as I always put it, right? Pulling the strings and getting the job done. And we can just rest in that truth. And it's just one of the perks of being a child of God. What a blessing it is. Everything that God has planned for us, we're going to receive. That is, if we don't get in the way and monkey around with those things that we have no reason or or purpose in uh, getting involved in in the first place. 
So this is a tale of four persons, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau. By the way, each one of them will become our bullet points. We're going to consider each one of them and the way that they failed to just simply trust God and leave it with him in his hands. We're going to take them in that order. So the first of which is Isaac. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, Isaac. Now, we were introduced to Isaac last time together, and I suggested certain things about him. But one of the things about it, his life was so undistinguishable. I mean, basically, if you think about it, uh, his life was nothing more than a backdrop to be introduced to the other Bible characters in this section of the book of Genesis. Remember last time together, I, I, I had mentioned that one writer describing Isaac for us was that he was the, the son of an extremely distinguished man who would have been Abraham, and then the father of a very distinguished son who would have been Jacob. And it was through Jacob, the 12 tribes, the 12 sons, which later on becomes Israel, moving on through that line comes the Savior, right? So basically, Isaac, when we were first introduced to him, I had mentioned that his life was very undistinguishable. And uh, there's nothing a lot that commends us to this man uh, that is to uh, emulate. And I've already suggested this, but his tale is a cautionary tale. It just should serve up for all of us these warnings. Now, according to verse 1, let's go back to our text. What do we know about Isaac? Well, as I mentioned, uh, many Bible teachers have suggested that at this time, Isaac was 137 years old. He has become ill. He has taken to bed. We don't know exactly the particulars. But notice here, he is complaining of death. Although we are told in Genesis chapter 35 and verse 28, if all of these Bible teachers and commentators are correct in suggesting that at this point here in Genesis chapter 27 that Isaac is 137 years old, well then in Genesis chapter 35 and verse 28, we are told that Isaac lived to the ripe old age of 180 years old. So do the math. That would have meant that there was still 43 years more of Isaac's life to live. So I don't know exactly what's going on here, but uh, maybe you can relate to this. You know, you become ill, and uh, I'm the worst person to be around when I get sick. You don't want to be around me when I get sick. Thank God. There are years that go by where I, I'm, I'm not sick. I don't get a virus. I don't get the flu. I don't, you know, and, and for the most part, thank God. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm, pr I'm a pretty healthy guy, with the exception of I'm getting old, you know, some aches and pains and stuff. But we all go through that as we get older. But uh, when I'm sick, I'm moaning, I'm groaning, I'm complaining, I'm pacing up and down in my house. I usually have a blanket over my head, and it's intolerable to be around me. So maybe that's what, I'm just a baby is what I am. And, uh, and you don't want to be around me. But maybe that's what was going on with Isaac. Maybe he was sort of like a Mike Finizio type, you know, kind of a guy. And he's complaining, oh, I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. And then the wife is laughing at it. That's what my wife, she always kind of laughs at me. You know, basically what she's saying to me is, hey, suck it up, would you? You know, 
And, uh, but my, I got to tell you something, when it comes to those things and pain, I'm just so glad I'm not a woman ever having to go through childbirth. And uh, I've been in the room for five kids' births. And uh, God bless you. I don't know how women go through that. But I would never be able to. I'm so thankful that I'm not a woman. But God bless you guys. <laughs> women, in some ways, are a lot stronger than men, and no doubt. So anyway, maybe I don't know what's going on here with him. But anyway, he's, he's suggesting that he's about to die. But according to Genesis chapter 35 and verse 28, he's to live to the ripe old age of 180 years old. So notice, he's willfully determined at this point to pass the coveted patriarchal blessing to Esau in spite of the fact of God's announcement that it was to go to Jacob, his younger brother. Now, we've, why was that? Well, one of the reasons why was because, and we've already established this, we've already been told that the parents had their favorite sons. I would appeal back to Genesis chapter 25, if you will, quickly. In Genesis chapter 25, in verse 28, we read, And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So both parents had their favorites. And Isaac knew that if he had announced that he intended to give the blessing to his favorite son Esau, which granted supremacy, as I've already mentioned, and material prosperity, the household would erupt into an uproar and dissension would follow. Because let me tell you something, that's who Rebecca was. Rebecca was just as strong a character as was any of the members of her family. Rebecca would have made Isaac's life just miserable. So to avoid that, what did Isaac do? Right? He sought to give the blessing secretly. Secretly, when no one was around. Well, anyway, what should have been a joyful public occasion turned into a despicable incident. And then there is this grossness about this meal that was to be prepared by Esau before Isaac expired. And again, I don't know, maybe this was just a ploy on Isaac's part to get his son to go out and, you know, hunt and get the food that he liked. And, you know, we all have our favorites. And if we hadn't had it for a while, we'll do anything to, you know, to get what we want. I don't Who knows? So Isaac is wanting to indulge his physical appetite before giving the blessing. So what do we take away from this? Well, obviously, his base appetite had been passed on to Esau, who, I would remind you, in Genesis chapter 25, sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long. Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis, where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. God made animals on land and in the sea, and he said that it's good. And then God made man, and he said that it is very good. 
Creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what He does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.